You're listening to In Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics, The Nom. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of In Country, a podcast that is taking a complete look at the Marvel Comics series, The Nom. I am your host, Tom Panneries. This time around, we are going to be taking a trip down the Dong River in early May 1969 in a story called Down by the Riverside. Our music this episode should be familiar to just about anyone, as it's the theme song to the classic television series Hawaii Five-0. The series was a cop show that starred Jack Lord as Detective Steve McGarrett, who worked alongside Daniel Dano Williams, played by James MacArthur. The famous television catchphrase that came from the show, of course, is Bookum Dano. Hawaii Five-0 ran from 1968 all the way up until 1980, and a little, little bit of trivia about the show before I can get into the song itself. When Hawaii Five-0 was canceled in 1980, CBS did not want to close its Hawaiian production offices, and as a result, greenlit, greenlit the Tom Selleck series Magnum P.I. There are references in the first season episodes of Magnum uh, to Hawaii Five-0, although I'm not sure if they're in-universe references or if they're referencing Hawaii Five-0 as a TV show. So, you know, um, maybe there's a geek out there who can tell me otherwise. Anyway, the theme song was written by Morton Stevens and performed by The Ventures. It went all the way to number four on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1969. It has become a surf rock standard. In fact, it's one of the most recognizable TV theme songs of all time. The nom number 40, which is the comic that I will be covering today, and not turning this into a Hawaii Five O podcast, although maybe I can give Andy Leyland a call and we can double team on for McGarrett to Magnum, a Hawaiian cop show podcast, came out on November 28th, 1989, with a January 1990 cover date. It was written by Doug Murray. The artist was Pepe Moreno. Phil Felix was on letters and colors. Rob Tokar was the assistant editor. Don Daly was your editor. Larry Hama is listed as the consultant. And Tom DeFalco was your editor-in-chief. The cover is not credited to anyone, although based on the interior art, I'm apt to say that it's probably by Pepe Moreno. It shows a boat trolling down a river with a four-man crew. One is piloting, the other is keeping watch with a pair of binoculars, one is manning a gun and holding a beer, and the other one is hanging out and holding a radio. The cover copy says, Up the river without a battle? <laughs> Not in the nom. On the Dong River in early May 1969, Cruz rolls some dice with the crew of a boat. These guys are his ride back to civilization as he is headed back to the world. He loses another round and asks why the boat's pilot isn't playing, and one of the guys says that he owes them a lot. After Cruz rolls again and wins a, a little bit more of his money back, he asks what exactly the pilot owes them. 
the guy playing against them says, Okay, you asked for it. You know, we weren't always stationed on this cruddy little stream. And the rest of the story is all caption boxes, so I'm just going to read it directly. We started on a real river, the Mekong. That was some piece of water, all kinds of traffic. And our job was to sort the suckers out, separate the wolves from the sheep, find the sampans hauling stuff for Charlie. It took me a little while, but we got to know who was who, where they were at. Of course, some of the players took us a while to figure, but eventually, however much it took, we worked it all out. After all, we may be dumb, but we're not stupid. We thought we had it all worked out. Wash convinced me it would be okay to bring along his big, brand new radio. And you see the boat trolling down the river, playing uh, Satisfaction. He was real proud of that thing. Put it right into the coxswain flat. I really should have known better. Anyway, we're floating along fat, dumb, and stupid. And you see the uh, the song playing and drowning out. The, and then the radio, there's an alert from the radio. And we can't even hear our own call sign. So next thing we know, we almost get nailed by a maiden USA rocket. Then we almost get sunk by its mother. It was just luck that we woke up before we turned that corner. Seems we'd wandered into a full-scale air assault and one that wasn't going all that well. Seems like G2 had screwed up again, and this LZ was a whole lot hotter than anyone had expected. About this time, I see old Lieutenant Merkin showed up. He was a bit perturbed about not, us not answering the radio. Merkin was a pretty good officer. He didn't deserve to catch it that way. That was another one Wash had to answer for, but no help for, for that just then. I signaled to the other boat commander, and we moved out, firing everything we had. We lit all kinds of stuff on that vill. And the choppers did their share. Of course, Chuck was working on some surprises of his own. Surprises that I really want to see. Surprises that could be our last. And you see uh, a couple of VC, you know, there's a bunch of firing uh, machine guns at them, but two of them pull out, which basically like a cannon. And they, they fire at the, the boats in the river. But we pressed on. These troops were still stuck on the beach. Our luck held for the moment... And can't say the same for Mason in the number two boat, which we see getting blown up. I took a look for survivors, but we never did find any. I decided to make one more pass to the Ville, as close and sure as we could go. And believe me, in one of these things, we can go pretty close and bring a lot of heat. That's when our luck ran out. A buff. I'll never know what he was doing there in the middle of a firefight, but there he was. Our hull cracked. Cracked. Our water jet lines lost pressure. We were dead in the water. There was nothing we could do. I mean, I told the men to bail out. Luckily, one of the gunships saw us get hit. They gave us a little cover. We made it to the shore okay. So did that blasted stuff. Then we got to the wire. Lewis and Bradley just sort of rolled over, but Wash didn't even try. Said he couldn't make it. I tried to convince him, but he could. But he just couldn't do it. Then Mr. Charles put, us, put in his two cents, and, and Wash found he really could do it. A couple of hours later, it was all over. Charlie was done, and so was the village. We headed for the shore to see what was left of our boat. It seemed to be all there, but it wouldn't run. All the water lines were cracked through. I found the man in charge and asked if we could get a call out for a tow. He said he'd do better than that. He said he'd give us a lift and blast if he didn't do it. I guess people were a little surprised when we turned up over our berth. I would have been surprised. The chopper pilot laid us down just perfect, and as we touched, we loosed the lines, 
At least three of us did. Wash had a little problem then. All of us did. The chopper pilot couldn't see the problem, and we just had a tough time just moving. Until I got to that last line. What a break, in more ways than one. The cracked hull just couldn't take the impact. It just gave way and spilled us all into the drink. Fortunately, we were right at the slip. There was no sweat. Everybody getting out, including Wash and his radio. That was the last we saw of that radio. You see a shot of a guy picking up the radio and throwing it into the river. And the last we saw of the big river. Guess they figured that anyone who let his boat get sunk by a water buffalo and a radio didn't belong in the big river. So here I am, running a tour of the Bloody Dong River for a measly E6. Cruz says, losing your money too. Mart, who's the who's the guy who's been telling the story, rolls again, loses, says, yeah, it figures, as the boat heads down the river. One of the advantages that the NOM has over other comic series from this time is that fill-in issues or inventory issues don't throw off the overall feel of the series. Uh, in the 80s, Marvel was known for having a backlog of stories that an editor could pull out whenever a given series was running behind in order to get an issue out on the stands. Very often that would include a framing sequence done in the present day or by the regular creative team so as to tie everything together. The regular art team isn't here, but we do have a framing device of a regular cast member going on a boat ride and getting the story from the boat's crew. Cruz was already headed back to the world, so why don't we catch up with him briefly as he rides along the Dong River toward the bird that's eventually going to pick him up, right? The story has a bit of calamity to it, as the crew of the boat is too busy slacking off and having fun to miss all the warning signs and almost gets shot by its own helicopters. Uh, And then they wind up in serious trouble. It kind of reminds me of some of what we see in the things they carried, especially the sections about telling a good war story. This all seems true, like it actually happened. Uh, there's little comedic bits and idiosyncrasies. Uh, Wash, the guy who brings the radio, um, what uh, what he's talking about in the story about how you know how Wash wouldn't go and this and that is that he's scared out of his mind and and uh, at the end he's holding on to dear life for the from to the line from the helicopter that's got the boat attached to it and that's why they can't cut that final line and then when they finally do the ship crashes into the water and 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 you know you've got the rolling stones drowning at the boat's cb radio the buffalo in the water cracking the hull the boat splitting in half when it hits the water the radio being flung over into the river it's just all this sort of kind of craziness that like you know makes you just kind of just hang your head and be like oh man and and um Murray does it well, and Moreno has decent timing for this sort of stuff. You know, the way he illustrates some of it really brings home how kind of, I don't want to say lighthearted, but kind of like, you know, funny the moment, or witty the moment might be. You know, for all I know, this actually is based on a real story. Um, I haven't had the chance to talk yet to Doug Murray, and I hope to do so in the future, but... Um, what he does, telling the story through the caption boxes and then leaving Moreno to just simply illustrate it, gives us a solid secondhand story. And while I wasn't a fan of the cover that Moreno drew for you issues ago, the cover of this is really nice and the issue itself is really nice. He uses camera angles well. He provides a good amount of background detail. He's not hampered by having to step in and use artists' other characters which I think does help um, sometimes when you've seen a, a regular set of characters or a regular artist and a regular set of characters, seeing another artist draw those characters as a fill-in can be a little bit jarring. And uh, Marino does a good job of giving us, uh, Cruz at least, 
and then all just original characters, none of whom are real dynamic per se or, or really well rounded, but are, are good enough for us to at least want to be interested in what seeing what happens to them over the course of this one story. Um, so it's a solid, solid issue. It is. It is not as. Uh, it's not as great as the next issue. Next issue will be really good, and, and past issues in this run have been, have definitely been better. But um, I've enjoyed it, and uh, and and I'm glad to see that this title is still going along pretty strong. So I'll be back in a moment. I'll come back with historical context, letters, and ads. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? Violate the treaty, Captain. Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? <laughs> Humans make illogical decisions. Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell, the two true freaks, every month for a new episode of Star Trek Monthly Monday. Every month you will get a classic episode of Star Trek the Original Series, a Star Trek comic, and who knows what else. Episodes of Star Trek Monthly Monday can be found for free at twotruefreaks.com. They can also be downloaded for free from iTunes. The river that is the setting of the framing device for this issue is more than likely the Vamco Dong River, which is located in the Tainan province and is 220 kilometers long. It's part of the Dong Nai province river system and isn't a major waterway like the Mekong, uh, which is where the majority of the story takes place. The Mekong River is the 12th longest river in the world, the 7th longest in Asia, and originates in China before running through Burma, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, and then finally Vietnam. The Mekong Delta is one of the most farmed areas of Vietnam and is the southernmost area of the country, where the river splits into several tributaries before emptying into the sea. Events of the Vietnam War for May of 1969, according to the History Place as well as Wikipedia, include the New York Times breaking news of a secret bombing of Cambodia, 
a story that results in President Nixon ordering wiretaps on the phones of four journalists and 13 government officials in an effort to uncover the press's source. From May 10th to May 20th of 1969, there is the Battle of the 101st Airborne at Hamburger Hill. 46 men of the 101st die and overall 400 are wounded in an effort to take the hill. The 101st is successful, but is eventually ordered to abandon their position by the commanding officers, and after that the NVA eventually does swoop in and take it back. This is an important battle in the Vietnam War for the American military. Here's what the history place has to say about it. The costly assault and its confused aftermath provokes a political outcry back in the United States that American lives are being wasted in Vietnam. One senator labels the assault, quote, senseless and irresponsible. It is the beginning of the end for America in Vietnam, as Washington now orders MACV Commander General Creighton Abrams to avoid such encounters in the future. Hamburger Hill is the last major search and destroy mission by United States troops during the war. Small unit actions will now be used instead. A long period of decline in morale and discipline begins among American draftees serving in Vietnam involuntarily. Drug usage becomes rampant as nearly as 50% experiment with marijuana, opium, or heroin, which are easy to obtain on the streets of Saigon. United States military hospitals later become deluged with drug cases as drug abuse casualties far outnumber the casualties of war. Hamburger Hill in itself was made into a movie in about 1987 or 1988. Uh, and I will, I do intend to cover that on the podcast uh, somewhere down the line. On May 14th, Richard Nixon presents yet another peace plan to television to to uh, the American audience in South Vietnamese and North Vietnamese uh, via tele- television address, and that plan, of course, is rejected by Hanoi. May 20th shows the new the United States National Guard uh, sending helicopters into a protest in California where the helicopters use skin stinging spray. Two non-Vietnam-related events, but important nonetheless, include the first, May 15th, a man named Robert Rayford, who is also referred to as Robert R., dies in St. Louis of a mysterious illness. Later, about almost 20 years later, the illness that he dies from is identified, and then he is officially confirmed as the first case of HIV slash AIDS in the United States. May 18th through 26th is the Apollo 10 mission, which is a dress rehearsal for all of the components of Apollo 11, which will take place in July of 1969 and be the moon landing. Incoming this month, no nom notes, just letters. Gerald our Cappy Durst writes in saying uh, that he, you know, has a lot of respect for, he enjoyed the book. He has a lot of respect for people who, who fought. He's proud to know there are people around to help us remember. He had an uncle who fought in Vietnam for almost the full tour. My mother told me that before he left, he would laugh and play full of happiness. After the war, he was a different man, jumpy at the slightest little noise. I'm only 17, but I thank God for the grunts and what they did. Got a Diddy Mound now, getting tired, and I got to hump the boonies at 7.0700 tomorrow. Bill Dewsbury says, I've long believed it is time for the Vietnam story is told. The vets have been ignored for far too long. In my opinion, any person who fights for freedom in any country deserves to be treated as a hero, not like, not like dirt. I'm associate member of a group of Canadians who fought in Vietnam. Anyone is feel free. Anyone is free to contact them, and there will be no pressure to join the group. 
and he gives a address, a mailing address for Canadian Vietnam veterans. Please do a full issue on Canadians' role in the American armed forces and Vietnam. After, after all, there were about 40,000 of them. Doug replies, I've been planning a Canuck issue for a long time. My problem is and remains how to work it into the continuity. I'll work it out eventually. I promise the Canadians do too much to be ignored. Doug. Stormy Gilliam of Kinero, Texas, who is a, who is a girl, um, says that she is learning a lot about... Uh, about the war, her brother, who's in Korea at the moment, says her sl- that says that the slang is still used in the comic is realistic and truthful, and she makes a point about uh, how we need to learn about this war and read about this war because it's a way for us to understand the war and learning for the war. James Lemke of Holland, Michigan, says I have been reading the Nam since number one, and I've been very impressed and pleased with your work. My dad, Erwin Lemke, fought in the Republic of Vietnam from September 11, 1968 to August 23, 1969. He was with the Troop C, 3rd Squadron of the 5th Cavalry. Sometimes my dad and I will talk about the war, although I wasn't there. I think I know what it was like. One thing my dad sometimes talks about a Sergeant Whitehead, a man he served with. If that Sergeant Whitehead is reading this, or someone he knows is... My dad would give anything to hear from you. Keep the faith until I said I said hi. Lance Corporal J.C. Nelson of the 1st Marine Division at Camp Pendleton writes in to say how much he looks forward to the comic. And all the stories have been great. The nom not only made me think about re-enlisting a couple of times, I'm still going to get out, but I made a really special friend along the way. Keep up the great work. Uh, we have a next issue box which shows the cover to the next issue. Um, in somebody's hand, but we don't have any nom notes. We do, however, have ads. We have uh, a Konami handheld game for several of the games, Double Dribble, Top Gun, Turtles, Gradius, Skater Die, and Contra, and I can imagine that these are similar to the, the Nintendo games I've been talking about in the last few issues, episodes of the series, where they're very kind of LCD type of games. And eventually, they would be replaced by Game Boy, uh, which would probably come out, I think, within the next year or so, if it wasn't already out yet. Still ads for Taito Games, Sky Shark, and Operation Wolf, although there is a Taito sweepstakes. Say rap, say Taito, say yo sweepstakes. Over $85,000 in prizes. See your Taito dealer for, Taito dealer for details. Buying a Commando from Capcom. Go head-to-head wireless, the Nintendo double-player wireless head-to-head system from Acclaim, which were those remote control controllers for the Nintendo that did not work. Um, Trust me, I had them. We have Mega Man 2 and Strider for an ad that we've seen before. TSR gives us the Web of Gold game. Um, which looks like it's very much like a, a Indiana Jones treasure hunter pitfall type of, of game where you're collecting golden nuggets and and that sort of stuff, and you can get it at your favorite hobby store. Some of which I understand are still around. Um, we have a bullpen bulletin. Stammons back in his soapbox and. Uh, once again is referring to in fact this is a repeat this is either it's either in the next issue or it's repeated from last issue uh talking about rg goodwin leaving 
and uh, some other things. There's a great comic book conventions uh, at or the great Eastern comic book conventions. And Todd McFarlane is going to be appearing at the New York convention. And the illustration for this is a McFarlane Spider-Man. So we are clearly starting to enter the decade that we would, that would become what was the nineties, but we are entering the period that would become known as the nineties. And there are, uh, comic book conventions in Long Island, in New Jersey, Massachusetts, uh, and Connecticut and Pennsylvania. American Entertainment is advertising once again with a Spider-Man bursting through the doors of something. We have Batman intro, New Robin. Robin lives, meet the controversial New Robin, Tim Drake. Was Tim Drake controversial? I don't remember Tim Drake being controversial. I remember Tim Drake being kind of like, yeah, we're going to get a new Robin and everybody's liking him. What do I know? Spider-Man, Super Spidey Saga, Spider-Man becomes the most powerful character, which is blisteringly hot. Wolverine Deluxe Special Number 1, Wolverine returns to the Savage Land to battle Apocalypse, an all-new beautifully painted deluxe Wolverine by Walt Simonson and Mike Mignola, recommended. We have calendars, we have videos of high quality and VHS only. Because, you know, not everybody carries Betamax these days. T-shirts, posters. There's a She-Hulk and and Wolverine and Gru and Iron Man and the Jack Nichols and Joker. Comics include everything. We've The Aliens series are out now. Gotham by Gaslight. Uh, they say, you know, order in our huge catalog. Only $1 free with any, with, uh, any order. And there are collectibles, buttons, pins, models, and things like that. A lot more actual listing of comics and things for sale rather than the usual illustrations and uh, hype that we get from the from the ads. I know that toward the end of this series, we are going to get the classic American comics, American entertainment, entertainment this month ads that we all love. The X-Men are having uncanny X-Mess savings for, for the subscription ad. And clear is still double clear. It makes the leading pad just half a pad. And on the back, we have World Championship Wrestling. Be a video warrior. Uh, showing Hawk and Animal. A drawing of Hawk and Animal. So no actual depiction from the actual video game of the World Championship Wrestling Nintendo game. And that's it. Come back next time in two weeks where we will have a superhero-filled issue of the NOM. That's right. I said superhero-filled issue. So that'll be two weeks. And once again, thanks for listening and take care. You have been listening to In Country, a podcast that covers Marvel Comics' The Nom. The NOM and all of the comics associated with it are copyright Marvel Comics, and since this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes and I make no money off of it, no infringement is intended. Images, clips, and show notes can be found at Pop Culture Affidavit, which is located at popcultureaffidavit.com. Feedback can be sent by email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. In Country also has a Facebook page, and you can like the podcast at facebook.com slash in country podcast. 
This podcast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Network of Podcasts, which is a division of the Demanza Corps of Milan, Italy. You can download this podcast and many other great podcasts at twotruefreaks.com. Want to support this and the other Two True Freaks podcasts? Go to twotruefreaks.com and click the Amazon.com link. It costs you no extra money, but really helps us all out. Thank you for listening and come back in two weeks for the next chapter in the saga of The Nom.